This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast, a National Signing Day edition as LSU Inc.'s three signees at the time of this recording. In the 2020 recruiting class, and Ed Ogeron has already met with the media on this Wednesday afternoon and reviewed the new signees. And look, there's still a lot to unpack with this 2020 class and how things went down on Wednesday. And with me, Billy Embody, to do that is Shay Dixon. Shay, this this Wednesday started out pretty pretty normal and and kind of trended in that direction until time. And as expected, Jordan Birch with a little bit of fireworks. Uh, at noon as he had his signing day ceremony at his high school at Hammond School in Columbia with Will Muschamp, the head coach of South Carolina, in attendance. He said he signed a national letter of intent. He said he was staying home to stay with family and friends. Uh, but the, the five-star defensive lineman at the time of this recording and after Will Muschamp had already gotten up and talked with the media had not sent that national letter of intent in. Uh, unpack all this for us. What What this is just kind of another weird twist in this recruitment that, that really hasn't had much fanfare, but obviously it, it, it's just kind of weird. Well, yeah. I mean, and obviously you mentioned Muschamp being there. His son, Jackson Muschamp, a preferred walk-on at Georgia quarterback, announced at the same time. But I guess to quite briefly run through kind of the weirdness that we're talking about, all these guys are, you know, in individual tables, you know, on kind of a stage podium type setup, and they go by one by one and say, okay, well, all of them are already committed. They're not making announcements, including Birch, right? Well, it gets to Birch, and I guess looking back at it, he might have talked for like 20 seconds, if that, but look back at it, the only thing he really said was, I'm excited to spend three or four years with my friends. I think everybody here is going to go on. And he handed the mic off and sat down. He never put on a South Carolina hat, any of that. Now, afterwards, he does put on the South Carolina hat, but never confirmed that he signed with South Carolina, declined all media interviews. When he was asked if he did sign, uh, he told somebody yes, but didn't say which school. And uh, as you said, hours later, you know, Muschamp goes up for his press conference and does mention Jordan Birch because USC is not – um, I guess, uh, and what we've been told has not gotten his LOI, so they cannot announce him as a signee, meaning they can't talk about him. And he talked about everybody else that announced at that press conference that was going to South Carolina, uh, Hunley and multiple teammates. So kind of a weird spot. And, look, I'm not sitting here saying that Jordan Burks can watch LSU. It's pretty evident that uh, he's stuck with South Carolina all this way so far. But in December, when he those three days passed and he didn't sign, Everybody kind of kept hinting, like, oh, just wait. It's, it's coming, it's coming. And when it became evident he wasn't some, uh, it was, look, this was his plan all along. He's going to do it in uh, February with all of his friends. Well, okay, great. He did it today. And here we are, all of his friends sent in their LOI, and he didn't do anything. So we can at least tell you this. Until he signed at Orgeron and LSU, call him as much as they want and call his mom as much as they want. So they're going to be working this one all the way until USC puts out that, 
uh, his you know signed LI is in that he's officially a Gamecock. Uh, and until then, we get to continue to speculate on what exactly is up with Jordan Birch. Yeah, and speculate uh, we shall. Uh, look, this we we talked before National Sign Day about kind of our gut feeling what would happen with Jordan Birch, and you know I I felt like coming off of a, an unofficial visit to LSU, paying his own way. Uh, he and his mom coming out to Baton Rouge, check it out once more. And then going on the official visit, I just thought the unofficial visit said a lot more uh, in terms of his interest in LSU. But he seems like, at least as limited as what he says, um, that he's feeling the Gamecocks. I don't know if this is a situation where maybe the mom's feeling LSU after after their unofficial visit to LSU, but uh, this is one that uh, we're going to have to track. I, I guess what – what do you think is kind of next for Ed Ogeron and LSU to, I guess, continue recruiting him? No, I mean, that's it. That's all he can do. Until USC says that he's signed, uh, then you can recruit him all you want. You can stay in his ear. It's evident that to some degree it's worked so far. He would not have come back on that visit after committing uh, in December to the Gamecocks. So as far as we can tell, you know, that's what LSU's doing. Look, they've got spots. They're not in a rush to fill them right now. So nothing better to do than just to keep going after Jordan Birch. For them, the longer that he doesn't, you know, it's not a signed LOI, it's not in, the longer it drags out, the better it is for whatever slim chance they might still have. Yeah, we'll be tracking that all on, on Go 24-7. Another interesting one to kick off the day at 9.30 was Kinley Jackson. Not really surprising to see him go elsewhere besides LSU, but – as we kind of followed, and, and look, I thought he was going to end up at Alabama. Our Alabama side thought he was going to end up at Alabama, but January Jimbo Fisher comes in and, and lands a big one out of Mississippi. There was kind of that moment of pause as, as you know, things kind of got a little dicey there this morning on the Bama side of things that maybe maybe it was LSU, but it is Texas A&M from McKinley Jackson. He signs with the Aggies and, and just a long – and Ed O'Gron kind of mentioned this in in his press conference, he kind of felt like maybe losing Dennis Johnson, uh, who he congratulated on his jo- new job at Baylor and everything like that, but made that hurt LSU down the stretch. And probably he was mainly referring to McKinley Jackson. Yeah, I, I think that while, you know, Meatball was involved with Jordan Birch as well, that's what I circled with McKinley Jackson. And why did LSU seemingly fall behind others kind of in the final couple of weeks when they had one of his final visits? Because it came, um, he got here on the same day Meatball was Dennis Johnson is leaving for Baylor. And Dave Aranda obviously was already at Baylor, so the coordinator's not there. It was before they hired Bo Pelini. So you've really got Ed Orgeron out there as the one guy who's known Jordan all along that's still left. And, and he's, you know, he is the head coach, the line coach by trade. So he can swing with the best of them in that regard. But um, for so long, I thought that um, Dennis Johnson had done that groundwork in Mississippi. Uh, they didn't have him for those last, what, couple of weeks of or, or a couple in-home visits that they were able to make with McKinley and, and his family. So I think that played a role into it. I don't know how great of a role, but but a role. You know, I thought that had everything remained status quo, that perhaps they should have been in this a lot more than uh, they were. But then again, look, I thought that Alabama had him locked up, uh, or at least that it had trended that way, and indeed was A&M, the team that uh, they got to host action last. And uh, boy, for... For Bama, it was a morning where it took a one-two punch of losing out on two guys that most everyone who covers Alabama thought that they were going to get. So 
um, a rough day in that regard and, and a positive day for the Aggies. Yeah, good work by Jimbo and them getting McKinley Jackson on board there. That'll be somebody that can make a difference for them, at least in the middle there with that defense as they certainly need a little bit of help after after LSU hung 50 on them uh, this year in, in Tiger Stadium. It'll be a little different next year, but uh, they get a good one in McKinley Jackson. And, you know, Shay, I, I think with that one, I agree with you. I think, you know, meatball leaving probably hurt a little bit there, um, more than more so than Birch. But, um, you know, the bright side is for LSU, they're still in it technically as of uh, right now, as we're recording this, still in it with uh, Jordan Birch. They did get three signees on board uh, on National Science Day relatively early in the day. They had their letters of intent very early in the day. And then uh, all three of them got announced throughout the day. We're going to break down those guys on the other side of this break from the Go 247 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. It says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening to the small signing day edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Quick reminder, guys, hit that subscribe button on the podcast and leave us a rating and a review. And also subscribe to Go 24-7. It's been a big week uh, on the site with plenty of people signing up, looking for uh, the Jordan Burch scoop. It sounds like we're going to be monitoring more of it. But I want to touch on the three LSU signees that they uh, announced today. Alex Adams, the wide receiver out of Mississippi. Trey Bradford, the running back out of Lancaster, Texas. And Dwight Southern, the cornerback out of Spring Klein Oak in Texas as well. Shay, let's start with the two Texas guys. Let's lead off with Dwight McLaughlin. Ed Ogeron really highlighted the work Corey Raymond did, keeping LSU in it in this one, as as they had been really throughout his entire recruitment, staying in contact with him. He said he really fits the scheme very well at corner, said they like the way he runs, and obviously he had a big All-American Bowl uh, with two interceptions in San Antonio last month uh, to cap his high school career. He'll enroll in June, and somebody that is coming off a, a terrific senior season as well. Yeah, I sort of think how you described that or how Orgeron described it um, of kind of staying on him and keeping him warm to be able to, to go after him in a situation like this becomes sort of the common thread that ties all three of the guys we're going to talk about together. And you look at McLaughlin, when they sort of parted ways with Major Burns and he went to Georgia in December, um, when they figured out they had spots, it was evident that, uh, they said, hey, let's get another DB. McLaughlin can play some safety corner. I like that he's long. As you said, he had a really nice senior year playing both ways. And, and look, he had double-digit touchdowns in back-to-back years as a receiver, 15 picks for his career. So we're talking about a guy who's uh, really talented at a high level in Texas playing at Klein Oaks. So for me, knowing that you didn't get him until January and that you weren't really after him as hard 
as you were maybe a majority of these signees throughout the recruiting cycle, uh, that was a pretty big land for me. And, and to put him on top of a really good safety in Jordan Tolls and a really elite corner Elias Rick, I think, Billy, that gives them uh, three defensive backs, all three of which you feel like can help out the program in some capacity, whether a big way or, uh, or maybe even a, a smaller role. Uh, all three of these guys will be impact down the line. Yeah, and I think with, with the corner depth that LSU has right now, it'll give time for, for Ty McLaughlin to, to develop and, and continue to hone his technique and do all those things because he has that size. He has that uh, frame that, that is already ready to go from a college perspective. I think getting him with Tommy Moppet and kind of getting him a little stronger will, will be a benefit for him as well. One player that I'm really high on in the class and just talk to some LSU people throughout uh, you know, his recruitments and different sources Trey Bradford is somebody that when they offered him, it was kind of weird, just kind of a coincidence. I was up in Dallas and, and getting ready to go watch him anyway and, and getting a chance to see him that night, the, the day after he picked up his LSU offer, he rushed for over 100 yards. I think he had three touchdowns. It just kind of, once again, showed the, the type of running back that getting almost 10 yards of carry as a senior in one of Texas's highest classifications of football. Really fast. I always run call him a 10-7 guy and, and, and somebody that I think in track season is going to prove that. He was uh, kind of hampered last year uh, in his track season with a hamstring in- injury, so wasn't able to run the way he probably wanted to over there at Lancaster. And if you're running the 100 meter at Lancaster, you're one of the fastest guys in the state. I mean, they have speed all over the place, not, on, not only on the football field, but on the track field. This is uh, somebody that's going to be able to develop behind Chris Curry, Ty Davis-Price, John Emery. This is a quality pickup for LSU at running back. Yeah, I thought this was their best play uh, after the early signing period. And because I didn't think it made sense to chase Zach Evans anymore. And I and I'd said that in part because you don't know if he's really going to go to your school. What if he picks, um, you know, whatever, A&M or goes back to Georgia or picks some other school? You're not guaranteed. But don't chase him back out of the Zach Evans sweepstakes and go over somebody else. And, and the fact that they were able to come away with Brad, the number 13 running back in the country, a guy who's not from far from uh, Baton Rouge, he's not going to get incredibly homesick on, want to leave, uh, and has production, like you said, at one of the highest levels in Texas. I mean, rushing uh, for averaging over nine yards a carry uh, like he did was just insane numbers uh, for the workload he carried over two years and really never had to get bogged down in carries. He's not a guy who's been out there touching it 30-something times a game. So, you're getting relatively fresh legs on a good athlete who has proven at a high level in one of the best states that he can get the job done at running back. And then now you've seen Zach Evans's process play out, and it became evident that LSU wasn't the only school that decided that that was the best approach. A&M, Bama, Georgia, others have sort of, I'd say, kind of backed off, and we saw Tennessee and Ole Miss move in as teams to watch for. He hasn't signed anywhere yet. Uh, but then you also say, well, what happens if he gets there and Billy transfers out on you? Or he says, I'm going into the portal. I thought I'd be playing sooner. You're not putting me ahead of Curry and Emory and Davis. I'm leaving. I'm not saying he's going to do that. I'm just saying that's something a college coach thinks about. And because of that, I like the Bradford move even more. You don't have to worry about it. Bradford never played any games in his recruiting process, kept things kind of close to the vest, always said he would like to play at a school like LSU. He winds up there. I think we're going to look back at this and say that was probably one of the better plays they made in the class. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and he's uh, so quiet that I'll probably have to catch up with him in, in Dallas next time I'm up there. I swing by uh, uh, Lancaster and all the great 
see all the great people over there and, and, and catch up with Trey because, uh, like you said, he keeps things uh, pretty close to the best there. But uh, also shout-out to Gabe Brooks on that. He was all over it for uh, from the Lancaster side of things and, and really tracking that recruitment all the way through. So uh, big shout-out to Gabe. And now let's move on to our final signing to review. Alex Adams, the four-star wideout on 24-7 out of Mississippi. Somebody that I think if you talk to a lot of people over the summer, during the summer, probably would have pegged him to stay in the state of Mississippi. You saw two coaches change in there at Ole Miss and Mississippi State. LSU, like Ed Ogeron said, they had him camp once. They had him camp another time, and he ran a 4-4-5 handheld 40 at the LSU camp. I had heard from somebody in Mississippi that at Mississippi State's camp that he had been clocked in the high 4-3 range. So really, really impressive speed. Somebody that I think fits in really well with the offense and, and has some size to six too. Yeah, I, I like this addition. And again, it's you needed to keep a guy like that warm uh, because look, in the summer he came to camp. We were there. He was good. I mean, he, he was one of those guys who competed every day. He didn't show up and just stand around and watch. He went out there and made sure to back up uh, and sort of earn the offer that he carried into the camp and, and carried out of the camp. But it wasn't committable, not because he wasn't good enough. He's a four-star wide receiver that they ultimately signed, but because then they already had Rakeem Jarrett. They already had uh, Jermaine Burton. They had already had Kayshawn Butte. That's three of the receivers that were committed forever, and they knew that they were kind of right there with Coy Moore, but they ultimately popped in August. That was their four receivers. Now, Burton and Jarrett flip on you in December. On signing day morning, what do you do? Well, thank goodness. That is not the final signing day. They had February ahead of them, and they turned around and said, all right, let's go back to Adams. You know, he didn't sign yet. We had worked him. We told him there might be a chance. Now there is a chance. And, look, you're getting a great player here. I mean, this is a kid who they were 14-1 at South Pike this year. Uh, he's been to the state semifinals, and we're talking about a legit high-level production player uh, at the receiver spot, you know, with a 1,000. I think he was right under 1,000 yards, had double-digit touchdowns two years in a row. But – I also liked that eight months ago he wasn't going to qualify, and he didn't know if he was going to have options. LSU had told him, look, we might be full right now. Uh, Mississippi State, some other teams were saying, look, we're looking at some other guys. We would need you to get qualified, and, and that's what LSU said. Well, instead of getting down on his luck, he buckled in. This is a kid that reeled off straight A's all fall, started out the spring semester strong again, and put himself in a position to be able to commit and sign, not just with a four-year program, but with LSU. Uh, and you could tell he was pumped up about it. In a way, I think this will be one of the – and I think there's a couple of them. In fact, I think Mississippi's got a couple of them because I like Xavier Hill at O-line too, um, on the O-line as well, I should say. Um, but I think he's going to be maybe one of the sleepers of this class. I could see Alex Adams sort of getting in, putting the grind work in, sitting behind Terrace Marshall, Jamar Chase, Ray McMath, those guys. And then by the time we turn that page to, to Trey Palmer and Butte this crop of new receivers that is sort of the younger generation of LSU guys, I think Alex Adams will have himself firmly in that mix. Completely agree with you. You said it best, and we're going to leave it at that. Finally, they've got three spots. We're on Jordan Burch's watch still, but Ed Ogeron kind of touched on <laughs> Jordan it. Jordan Burch has done nothing since we started this, guys. He's done <laughs> yeah. nothing. Yes, yes. Just to, just to continue to clarify that, still – Still out there, still out there for the taking. It appears. I am but, refreshing things right now. I'm trying to come up with some great news, but nothing yet. For the first time ever, I've game, Gamecock football on uh, on on Twitter alert. So uh, oh no, uh, oh, I, that's know, I know we've stooped, we've stooped. Um, but Ed Ogeron did say they've got a couple spots, maybe three uh, left in the in the class. 
they want to work, potentially some transfers. You mentioned O-line linebacker. What, what are your kind of your thoughts on how they could go uh, to finish out this class and these final scholarships? Yeah, you know, I didn't think he was going to say quarterback, you know, because I think that the quarterbacks who already landed at schools, Derek King, um, Georgia signed uh, a guy, gosh, I forget his name, from Wake Forest, uh, Jamie Newman might be his name. Uh, anyways, yep. Um, yep. there's some guys out there, point being, you never heard LSU really get involved. Let's say most notably with Derek King, who everybody, you know, it's kind of clear that Derek King had some interest. I don't think they ever thought any of the options they saw were better than Brennan. So because of that, I wasn't shocked that he didn't say anything about quarterback today. In fact, I, the two, if you would have told me to guess two positions, he would have said, it's the only two he said. Center, you lose Lloyd Cushenberry. Who is your future center? You might feel it's Chase and Hines. You might feel it's Charles Turner. Um, you know, you've got some options uh, of guys who can play that center spot, but nobody has started before. And then the other would be middle linebacker. And we lose, I think, going into this year, like in August, LSU would not have guessed that they would have lost both Jacob Phillips and Patrick Queen to the NFL draft. And granted, both guys played out, of, you know, really well in the year. They number one and two in team in tackles. You go 15 no, you win a natty. Uh, those guys go out on top, right? And I don't think they would have anticipated that. Then toss in that during the season, Kendall McCallum left, a middle linebacker who had just signed with you. And now Dante Starks is indefinitely suspended. And sure, you've got Damone Clark. I mean, you've got Micah Baskerville. There's kids at middle linebacker uh, bringing in Josh White and Sampa uh, that can play. I'm probably leaving off somebody in there. Um, but you've got some guys, but you want more depth than that. In fact, two months ago, they had a lot of depth. And all of a sudden, you lose uh, four guys total in the span of about six months. So, wasn't shocked at all to hear him say line. He said linebacker. I think what he really means is middle linebacker, uh, if we're getting specific with it. And yeah, three spots. Obviously, the transfer portal is something we're keeping an eye on. I mean, you can really work the transfer portal as long as you want, all the way. I mean, there's no stopping that. So uh, that's something from the spring to the summer we can keep an eye on. Late qualifiers like Cameron Jackson, guys they didn't sign today. Like Cameron's been committed. He took an official, but didn't say today because he wants to make sure he's eligible so that uh, LSU is not wasting a scholarship spot that they couldn't get back if he has to go JUCO. So that's a route. And then, uh, Billy, the other one, which I kind of judging from our board and listening to some fans kind of ask us questions and get feedback, a lot of people seem to want to say, hey, go, okay, go find best available, which is what Orgeron said, but save a spot or two for next year. You can carry those into the 2021 class. Uh, and look, I know LSU is not always signed 25 every cycle, but if you've got the ability to sign 26, 27, you're not making a lot of the moves that they made this year when it came to kind of trimming back on some guys to ensure that you could fit everyone in. You probably feel a little bit better about things if you've got, uh, you know, 26 spots, 27, 28 to play with in a class. Uh, so because of that, I would certainly see the advantage to holding it and carrying it into next year when Louisiana is a little bit deeper, when you're coming off a natty and you already recruited really well nationally this year. So what happens next year, you should probably be better at it. Um, I can certainly see the value and, and the argument being made that maybe the most value lies in just holding these spots. Yeah. And I think Ed Ogeron kind of alluded to that when he said he'd like to sign next year, 21, 22 in December and maybe not leave as much wiggle room Maybe he's thinking, okay, they'll, they'll have a couple more scholarships potentially to work with if they don't fill things out here uh, with with a transfer edition or or, or cat, you know, finish out their 25. So 
We'll be tracking it all on Go 24-7, Shay. Another thing day in the books. Awesome work on that, brother. But I guess uh, our work is uh, it's still ongoing with Jordan Birch. Again, still not. Yeah, well, yeah, and the fact that they have open spots, meaning this signing class actually continues. So the fun is not over yet, guys. But look, hey, I'll say two things before we get off um, to make people feel better about things in case they're sort of down on it for whatever reason. Uh, A, the 300 points they're sitting on on 24-7 is the most – they've never hit the 300 threshold. Uh, and I guess to give you some perspective, normally the number one class is between three and 310 points. Well, this year they're number four. They finished higher than that before, but it was with a 290-something point total, 280. Uh, they've never gone above 300. So this is one of the best classes. It is the best class of the Ed Orgeron era. It's the best class in the past decade on paper plus. Um, but you're recruiting on the same level as Clemson and Bama and Georgia, which I think is a really good sign, and, and obviously for LSU to be able to haul in the guys they did were big. But this is mind-blowing to me, Billy, and it says, look, one year ago we sat here on the podcast and Ed Orgeron had just told us, hey, look, Louisiana's kind of not as top-heavy as we're used to, so uh, in this 2020 cycle we're about to go national, and that's how we're going to fill up the class. They signed 22 guys. They only signed five from Louisiana at the same time that they have their best class in 10-plus uh, years, normally they're having these elite classes because Louisiana gives them so much of an echo boost. I thought that that was a really impressive job by the staff to go out and get uh, Eric Gilbert and all these different guys from all these different pockets of the country uh, in a year where we kind of saw that, yeah, look, they signed Guillory and uh, Boutte and Roy, the top three players in Louisiana. But beyond that, if they wanted to be elite, uh, they had to go out and find the best of the best at each position. And for the most part, I mean, they made that happen. No question. And like you said, we'll still be tracking it all on go 24 seven. We're here for you guys, but overall uh, a really impressive class uh, for 2020 and Ed Ogeron and the, the Tigers coming off a national championship 2021, I think has a chance to really be really special, but we'll leave that for another day. Plenty more uh, time to talk about that, especially now that it's the dead period. Shay, get some rest. Thanks for joining the pod, and, and uh, maybe we'll have uh, some word uh, on Jordan Birch by the time I click uh, publish on this podcast we just recorded. That's right. We'll recut an, uh, another one. So, uh, yeah, next time you hear us on the pod, we will give you a – hopefully be giving you a final answer on Jordan Birch and, and some wrapped-up thoughts. Appreciate everybody listening out there. Again, subscribe to the Go 24-7 podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. And thanks for listening, and have a great rest of the week, everyone. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.